1: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the 1875 podcast. It is not Tom Schofield in the chair this week. I have, I've been summoned from my usual position of uh, doing feature podcasts to, to come and host this regular podcast. It's Andy Watson and I'm here with at least some regular contributors who you will know. Uh, Ollie, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not too
2: bad. Still quite disappointed from.
1: Yeah. And I've got Alex Lawmax as well. Hi, Alex.
3: How are you, Andy?
1: Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I'm hoping you guys can guide me through the, the regular content, but I'm going to start by asking you guys a question. Um, just a 30-second answer on this one. What was your first thought after the final
3: whistle on Tuesday? I'm going to start with you, Alex. Next season. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's as brief as I can make it, yeah. Next season yeah. was my first thought.
1: And, Ollie, what was your first thought after seeing the result on Tuesday?
2: Just really dis- kind of i'm never surprised by Blackburn, but just really, really disappointed, but yeah it that's kind of done and dusted um and just a few particular things of have a really good record at millwall historically that's yeah, that was out the window, eighth game in a row conceded the first goal, yeah uh, yeah and yeah, you're just sort of yeah not great.
1: I think that Disappointed and Next Season kind of sum up probably the majority of the fan base on that one. Um, I'm going to rewind, though. First of all, we're going to talk about the West Brom game on Saturday. We drew 1-1 with a promotion chase inside and could have easily won it. Um, West Brom taking the lead late in the first half through Kovinovich. And then we equalised just past the hour mark after Morbury made those changes. It was a rare Joel Rothwell goal, and we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, both sides had chances to win the match. Um, i say a draw was probably the fair result. Oli, how did you feel after after that game, and, and has that feeling kind of changed over time now?
2: Yeah, I was quite pleased, really. Um, and I guess there was a little bit of a sense of a what-if. Because of the, those two chances we had late on, although I'd, I'd be reluctant to kind of throw any blame directly at Davenport. It was, yeah, that was the best chance. It was a very good chance, but young player had a really long injury with us. Not the person you'd necessarily want running through on goal. At least it was on target, unlike some chances we've had in recent games. It was just saved. I think he anticipated the keeper going down, but he, yeah, he stayed big. But with these types of games, I, there is—we've mentioned it before on the pods. There's a there really is a gulf in class between I'd say West Brom, Leeds, and Brentford, and I would sort of discount Fulham from both from them. Um, so I always quite like these games as a bit of a test. They kind of give you a good test to see where where you are. And over the last two seasons, I think we've given every game we've played West Brom. I think we've given them. Really good games. I know we've, we've not really tended to beat them, but we give them a good game. Um, but there were periods in that match where that golf in class was very evident. There were spells. I think certainly the sort of back 15 minutes of the first half and the first 15 of the second half, we were really under the cosh and you, you sort of, you see, you see that gap in quality quite evidently. But the, yeah, I think to, for us to kind of be behind and then come back into the game and have chances to win it. Um, where West Brom, I guess, lost their heads a little bit. Um, yeah, it was really pleasing to see and to be in a position where you can say, Oh, you can be a little bit gutted that we didn't take that chance to win the game. Um, and actually we, we declined to mention it last week, but I just, I sort of feel like I have to get a mentioning for referees since the restart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally a bit, Everyone everyone says it evens out over the re- over the course of a season, but quite a lot needs to fall our way in the last two games for for me to feel as if it's evened out during lockdown because we've had I mean, that was another goal. It was he was well off sides. Um I think it was was it Austin and Kravinovich? Was
1: it? Was it? He went through Offside. Yeah,
2: but I mean you're not it's not even close. I think even watching it on iFollow, it it's like that's offside straight away, just expecting a flag. I and mean, we've you know, we've had Cardiff goal, the Leeds goals, disallow goals, and you just think there's it's a bit much. I that, that really annoyed me, although West Brom had so many chances to take the lead and could have been, you know, home and hose by half time. You know, Walton makes good saves, which was really nice to see. And if they didn't take their chances, but to have a goal that shouldn't stand, yet another one was disappointing. But you know, on balance of play, West Brom did deserve to be ahead. Um Really pleased for Rothwell. He's probably I've massive Rothwell fan. I don't know if we're going to get into him, but yeah. Yeah. Has my feelings changed? No, because I like I like those games as a, as a test piece. I think our issue our issue is how we perform probably against. Theoretically, the worst sides in this division. I think over the last two seasons, the, against the top ten, I, we're pretty good. I, th- mm. I, I think it's it's the bottom ten that we struggle to beat. Um, I don't really have stats in front of me, but that's really how it feels. Um, and yeah, the way we play against these better sides, I always think is pretty good, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and you know, we came out of that with the point that we thought was gonna. Well, we did at the time, keep us in the race. um Marbury has since talked about, there's been a rule change about the five substitutions and um, that's going to go into next season. Now, I'm not particularly happy about that. I don't think it's really, it changes quite a lot about the sport. But he definitely maximised that um, on Saturday against West Brom. didn't he, Alex, with that? I think it was four changes um, within a minute. And within kind of two minutes after that, Bennett played it down the lines, Gallagher, who crossed it in and Rothwell was there, so that was three of the changes making an impact straight away. Do we desert, does Mowbray need a bit of credit for, for that change?
3: I think a hundred percent. I think as Ollie was just men just mentioned before, at the back end of the first half and then at the beginning of the second we were really under pressure and it felt like a second goal was coming any minute. And so it was on the manager to react to that and try and mix things up and try and change the flow of the game, and he managed to do that. So, great credit. I think the fans, quite rightly, can, you know, the fans that pay their dues and go to watch the team every week can criticise the manager when they feel he gets something wrong and costs us points, but I think you've also got to give due credit when it so obviously changes the flow of the match. And I think from after we scored... I think it was Rothwell's first touch, or it can't have been more than his first few touches. Um, I thought Rovers were the better side after that, Um, and both teams had chances to win it in the end. But I think, like we've said, it would have been a smash and grab if we'd have won it. I don't think we deserve to win the game, just with the sheer amount of chances that they missed. Um, But I thought, with the amount of golden chances we had, I thought a draw was a fair result in the end.
1: Yeah, it came out pretty much a fair result on the, on the XG as well. I think we just edged it with just the sheer quality of the chances that were created. That melee as well, with Holtby ending up having a, a back heel off the line, um, it ended up as a, a very fair result. Just on your um, point about lower teams, Ollie, I've got the stats in front of me here. As you would expect, people who know what else I do for Rovershot will expect me to, to have the stats. Um, we only picked up one point against Huddersfield this season, um, over two games. Obviously we had that home defeat to Charlton and um, we haven't, obviously we played Luton on the final day of the season but we lost to them at home as well. We only picked up one point against Wigan, only one point against Birmingham so it's those matches isn't it that you're talking about where maybe you'd have expected at least three or four points from those two fixtures but on the other conversely we haven't, we've got zero points against Fulham, zero points against Leeds Um obviously West Brom only one point now so we we've struggled in in different areas but thankfully picked up points in others. So um, that's kind of a little bit of um, the stats on that, uh, fact. Let's move on to Joe Rothwell then. He gets a, he's gets been mentioned by both of you already, coming in off the bench, which seems to be his kind of M.O. really. Um, he looked very much on it, though, not just the goal, but kind of all over the pitch. Whenever he picked up the ball, there seemed to be a buzz. Although you said already that you are a bit of a fan of him, so where do you see him fitting into the side and squad? Is he just an impact sub, or can he... Be someone from the 11 who can unpick defences for us? No, I think he,
2: I thought he was underutilised at the back end of last season, and I think he, there were some good performances where he was afforded a little bit of a run in the team, um, in that wide left, that attacking left position. Um, and at this season, I think he's what, he started in 19 games, but that, I think it always comes in little bursts. And he comes on as a sub quite a lot. I think he's had 15 sub appearances. And I appreciate he's got one goal and one assist from those kind of hard statistics. But every time I see him play, bar the odd game, he is making things happen on the pitch. Um, he's so good on the ball. He can be he can be any defenders in any side in this division if he if you manage to get the ball to him towards the final third of the pitch. Um, I know Mowbray talks, you know, compares him to Ben Rama, who is, you know, probably the best in his position in this division. Um, but you know, I look at there are wider contributions to that one goal and one assist that when people are being critical, I think you know, possibly our goal of the season at home to Brentford, like he's the assist of the assist. He plays such a key role in that goal or, you know, Buckley's late winner against Sheffield Wednesday. Rothwell's the one that dribbles past two players, tries to shoot and then off the rebound, Buckley scores a last minute winner. But I wouldn't, I don't see a Samuel doing the same thing or controlling the ball as well or making the right decision with a pass or even a Brereton or a Gallagher potentially that I think. not for me, I think as soon as that was injured, my hope was we stick with the exact same system and you just put Rothwell as number 10 and just play like that for the rest of the season. That's why I, I'm not a manager. Though.
1: You prefer him, you prefer him centrally to... Yeah.
2: Um, I just, I would always have him, if he's fit, I would have him in, if, if our best system seems to have been 4 two, 3 one Rothwell would always be in my three. Because he can, he can play anywhere in that three. It's difficult when everyone's fit. You've got Dak, and I would have Armstrong left, so it's hard. It is sometimes harder to shoehorn him in, but I'd probably have him... I would then stick him on the right of that three if you've got everyone fit. But I just think he... I, don't, I think it's difficult to judge him because he I don't think he's been given a fair crack of a really good run in the side. Like, even, after, even at the start of the lockdown... With Moby criticizing him, he's played in a makeshift central midfield against um, Barnsley and Wigan, where he's picking up the ball really deep, and then is criticized for not scoring or creating goals. But I'd be criticizing Samuel and Gallagher for missing really good chances. You know, you can't you can't criticize him when he's playing much further, you know, in a much deeper position. yeah, I maybe I I sound quite biased. I'm it's a big
1: fan of it. <laughs> it divides opinion in the fan base, and I think a lot of people see him as a bit of a show pony who doesn't really contribute where it matters. And Mowbray kind of had a few comments, like you say, towards his end product, and like wanting him to be more like Ben Rama, scoring more goals, and more assists. Alex, do you think those comments kind of got to jar off well a bit? And you could see the fire in him when he came on on Saturday.
3: For sure, I think you could see that in his reaction when he scored. I think. Another thing about Joel Rothwell I think is an important point to make is I feel like he maybe gets an undue criticism, let's say in comparison to maybe, I know Gallagher certainly got criticism for his lack of goals and I know Brereton has and Samuel to an extent is locked down. But I feel like Rothwell maybe gets fully appreciated in terms of his overall contribution to the patterns of play. And I know he can be extremely um, infuriating when he runs into opposition players. But I feel like he may be the, one of the few players in our team that's actually attempting to get the ball forward, trying to make something happen. Um, and so, as he is one of those attacking players, as Ollie just said, that can play across that three or um, in the number 10 role, you do expect that goals and assists return, and we haven't had that this season. And obviously, there's some mitigating factors that may um, have contributed to that. So, I think definitely, Rothwell needs to, you know, obviously increase his contribution in in the gross stats of the team in terms of goals and assists. But I think, in comparison to maybe Gallagher and Brereton, I feel like he probably has contributed more in the overall. To the overall team throughout the season, um, and I don't think that's maybe acknowledged enough, um, maybe by Marbury in the media at certain times. But I think
1: so. Does he, Alex? Does he get into your first eleven if everyone's fit?
3: It depends on which formation we're playing. If you if you take me back to probably pre lockdown and the four two three one, I think Rothwell would always get in. For me, ahead of Gallagher and and Brereton. So, if you had if you taking into account maybe Dak being injured, you'd probably put either Rothwell or Holt being the number ten, and then you could maybe choose between Graham and Armstrong at at the top, and then maybe put Armstrong out on the left if Graham's up front, or maybe switch things around like that. Um, But I think I would agree that Rothwell would probably get into my eleven. On a weekly basis, yeah, I I would agree with that.
1: We would love to know what you guys think at home as well. Would Joe Ruffell get into your best 11? I know he's one that splits the fan base, so it would be good to hear back from you guys on that one. Let's move on then to what we witnessed on Tuesday night. Uh, We went to the den knowing that we needed all all, to win all three of our final games to keep the season alive and hopefully end up in the playoffs, and we lost 1-0, of course. Uh, Mason Bennett scoring a typically scrappy goal after the half hour condemned us to defeat, and I'm not sure that we really looked like scoring, did we, Alex? Can you explain why we obviously seem to turn in such a lacklustre performance?
3: I think that's the great conundrum of the season, really, (laughs) and probably the great conundrum of the several seasons since we've been relegated in which we put a good run together at certain stages and then just as we're on the cusp of achieving something or getting in the playoffs or making things vaguely exciting for the fans. We always seem to find a way of losing a match or putting in a bad performance. So I don't think that's a coincidence that it's happened probably throughout boy's era and then all the way through to now um, when we have been in that top half, on on the edge of that top six. So
1: is it just that we're not good enough or is it just, is it a mental thing
3: i think it's probably a mixture of both i think um i think if you look at the squad losing i don't want to i don't really like to make excuses for the manager but i think losing our best player for half of the season does not help the cause um not that we were in the top 6 with him in the side either so you've got to set that into account yeah um but i think the fact that it's happened so many times, um, you think the law of averages would dictate that at least once we would break into that top six, even for a brief period maybe a week or two weeks or three weeks but we've always, when we've been in that seventh or eighth position and we've been one point outside and somebody else has slipped up, we've found a way to draw or lose a match. And so the fact that it's happened so many times throughout so many seasons indicates to me that it's a mental as well as an ability thing. Um, but I think I may be being unduly harsh if if I look at maybe a greater perspective of it in the sense that we've come out of League 1 not that long ago still. I think we've got to remember that. I think we have improved from last season in terms of league position. and Maybe not in points, but in league position. And so can we, I'm always wary of maybe expecting too much of the team. Um, But I I think it would have been nice to maybe just have something to play for until the very last game. And even if we didn't make it in there, I would have liked to see that.
1: I think that's all I really wanted was to, for it to go down to the last game of the season just to keep the season going. But I think that as a, as a fan, that's what you always want. Um As a mathematician, I have to kind of balance the argument about us not being able to get into the top six as a matter of variance, really. We're getting the results on average, kind of what a mid-table team would get. It's just sometimes that takes us close to the playoffs. Sometimes it takes us close to the relegation battle. And overall... I, You know, maybe it's just a matter of variance rather than a mental block in terms of not being able to get into the top six. But for this specific game, Mowbray said in the lead up to the match that he would most likely not select the same team and that he had to assess Millwall's shape and system. We know they played at 3-5-2 with three really solid centre backs and a, a, you know, a difficult to break down system and maybe change what we did to come back then. So it seemed a bit strange that he only changed one. And that was a really inconsequential change. In a way, it was just Bennett for Nyambe, and kept the same three in midfield, the, the same three up front. And we didn't. And was that a mistake not to change formation or personnel here? Because I actually I, I quite like Morbey's tactics at times. I think he comes up with some decent things at times. But I'm not sure that this was one of them. We seem to get overpowered in key positions. Alex, I know you watched the match fully, and is that something you agree with? And was it a mistake to not change?
3: I think. Look at after the match I think we're always the best man the best managers are always uh yeah. sat in the in their armchairs after the match. So I'm 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 scared to maybe butcher Marbury for that. I think yes, definitely, if you ask me for my honest opinion, he probably should have changed things a bit more, freshened things up. But I feel like at times this season Marbury has been criticised for maybe chopping and changing a bit too much when we've been on good winning runs. Um, and, and maybe if that has hampered the progress of the team or not. So I think you've got to balance that in as well. Yeah. I think I think at this time, though, I've passed a lot down. Because of the sheer number of games we've played in such a short period of time, without really having a pre-season as such, I feel like you are seeing a bit of that tiredness come into it, mm-hmm. um, which isn't something to be ashamed of, I think. All sides are maybe suffering from that. But I think to pick two similar teams in the Cardiff and West Brom games and then only the make one change the following game as well, that probably compounded that. Um, I think, But I think overall tactically, I think the biggest mistake we made in the game was conceding the first goal. And it's a mistake we've made yeah, in every single match post every lockdown.
1: Down, which is ridiculous because obviously we had a really good reputation as a fast starter for the first half of the season mm. so I wonder how that's changed someone who didn't get a single minute and in fact hasn't had a single minute in all those three games is Ben Brereton obviously first two for suspension um, and then he was in the squad here Ollie, but didn't get a single minute what do you read into that? I do
2: I think he's probably still in the bad books a little bit um, I know Mowbray came out and said, um, essentially didn't disclose any further details, but just said he's been fined effectively for the for his red cards. We're not part of the dressing room, so we don't know how routine it is, the bonus system or the fine system, but the fact that he came out and mentioned it seems to be that that was above and beyond because it was a petulant red card. Um, we, we debated the red card, on previous pods, um, but we didn't even didn't try and get it rescinded and he was fined. And the fact that he's then available back from suspension and we're playing yeah, like you say, a big physical back five, you know, Kukla is is a giant that yeah, the fact that he didn't seem to want to make any use of such a big physical presence as Brereton at all. Um Potentially says something beyond kind of the tactics of the match and that he's still, yeah, under some kind of punishment. But yeah, it's, it's a tough one really. Um, it's kind of hard because Samuel scored against Cardiff, but I think aside from, you know, finishing that cross, I think he's been really poor. Um, but he, you know, he's still getting games, but there are, I think, yeah, we'll go on to this, but. There are question marks around, what are we doing with, apart from Armstrong, our kind of array of strikers, Mm. what are we doing with them all? Um, I don't know, I I see, it's it's sort of similar, but obviously very different players to the Rothwell conundrum. I see a lot of good, quite often, when Brereton's on the pitch, but he's not really on the pitch very much, so...
1: um, So, it's 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 a bit of a mess, isn't it, in that forward area, and if we're going to stick with three up front, then we'll, that's going to be a problem that he's going to have to solve.
3: Yeah.
2: It, it
1: may be even a, in Reading and, and Luton matches. Let's just look ahead to those now. We we have to, <laughs> even though we feel like our season's over, we, we've we got these two uh, fixtures to fulfill. Um, the Millwall result leaves us on 60 points with two games remaining, which was our points total from last season. Um, Cardiff have 67, so obviously mathematically we can't. Make it at all. In situations like this, I always hear from the fans that we should play the kids. Um, is that actually realistic? I don't see a lot of other teams doing that necessarily. Is that your perspective, the Wally? Should we be blooding the youngsters? And if so, then who would you like to see starting or even just coming off from the bench?
2: Um, I wouldn't. I think we've got. We play a lot of. We've got a relatively young side with a couple of. Yeah, you know, a couple of like a Graham and a Downing is some experience and a Johnson, but I wouldn't necessarily refer to it as playing the kids, but I would, I think he needs to be thinking about who's going to be starting and part of his sort of best 11, best 18 next season. So I think Davenport should have been playing a lot more as soon as Evans was out instead of, you know, generally coming on as a sub. I think he, Highly regarded at Man City, was highly regarded by Guardiola, was one of their, you know, very well regarded academy prospects. He's come to us, he's had a bad injury. I think there's quite a good player in there. Um, I'd play him, see what, yeah, see. I don't think we're going to be building our midfield round Bradley Johnson next season, but, you know, Davenport may become quite an integral part to the sides, partnering a Travis, depending on Evans' fitness, which is always a bit of a question mark. I think Rankin Costello's got potentially quite a big future at the club, so, uh, yeah, I'd keep him in the side. But in terms of the kids, I, don't, I wouldn't be looking much that deeply into the squad. There aren't actually many making onto the bench necessarily. Um, but I'd probably, yeah, I think it's probably get Rothwell back in the starting eleven, have maybe give John Buckley a start in these last two games and not you know, Holtby's not
1: So maybe not so much the kids that you were saying, but maybe not playing players that might not get a Yeah, The yet. only
2: one really would be Butterworth because we've got our strikers apart from Armstrong, our strikers aren't scoring goals particularly, so
1: yeah, he, you know, he's not
2: he's not even making he's not making the bench. So it's sort of—is it realistic that he is going to suddenly get some minutes in these last two games? I'm not sure. I—I I don't see. I would see that as just a just as an effective option as a Samuel or a Gallagher or a Brereton because none of them have been particularly potent in front of goal. So yeah. give someone else a go and see if they can score.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure on Dan, but with fitness, I know he's had a couple of long-term injuries in the last couple of years. And Jack Vales also uh, made, he made the first team squad, didn't he, away at Barnsley, I think. So maybe one of those two might get a go. Alex, it's actually fair though to talk about playing the kids and playing a very weakened 11. I'm thinking back to when we were relegated. Was it Huddersfield who put out a really weak side against either Forest or Birmingham? I think it was. Was it Birmingham? And we were really up in arms about that at the time.
3: Yeah, um I remember Mowbray coming out on like Sky Sports News and talking about the sheer number of changes Huddersfield made. I think it was it ten changes? Yeah. Um
1: uh, playoffs, weren't
3: they? They'd already secured top six yeah. and there was ten changes made in the penultimate game. And I think a ten man Birmingham beat a Huddersfield side chase in the playoffs and promotion. Yeah. So I think there's a you've got to make a differentiation between maybe two or three changes and maybe trialing things for next season and then ten changes. <laughs> I think there's a big differentiation between those um and a big distinction's got to be made. I, I don't really see an issue with looking ahead to next season and maybe running the rule over two or three of the younger kids to see if they can be in the plans for next year or not. But I would, I think it would be hypocritical of Marbury to overhaul the side as he criticised Huddersfield for doing three years ago. So I, I think yes, yes, to allow him two or three young lads in to see what they're like, nor to radical change like. 10, 9, 10 changes, I think that would
1: yeah. be wrong. Especially, I mean, I don't think it really matters too much against, the, against Reading, we're both in mid-table, it doesn't really count too much, but I'm thinking maybe of Luton away, where they're going to mm. be still scrapping for their lives, and I think exactly, I, I think it's got we've got to keep um, a bit of integrity to the competition there. So we've talked about already starting to plan for next season, it's going to be, I think, I think it's, Everyone knows it's going to be a massive summer of recruitment for us. It's been announced since the last, since the weekend that it's going to be a 10 week transfer window starting at the end of the month and continuing all the way into October. Um, I'm not even sure if we're certain on the starting date for next season yet or not, but um, that's the transfer window anyway, and that's what they've got to work with. Uh, Morbury's already said they've been working all throughout lockdown, the recruitment team in terms of identifying transfers, even though we haven't got a budget yet. So, Alex, do you think it's fair to say that the length of the Mowbray lane rain, sorry, has been, is going to be determined by how well he does in this window?
3: I think to a large extent, yes. I think this summer is probably going to be the defining moment of Mowbray's tenure. When you look at, I think he's now probably in the top 10 longest serving managers in, in, in England in the professional game. So he's been here a fair while now and it's getting to the point where you have to say there's no longer any excuse about him not working with his own players and not moulding the squad into his own image. Um, And I think probably this summer, after after promotion from League One and then a consolidation season the first season back and then a slow progression this season... I would say the next acceptable progression is probably into the top six. And so there is, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Marbury recruiting well this summer. And I'd have to say he will have to recruit better than last summer if he wants to achieve the ambitions that I think all the fans have and I think the owners have as well. So I think it, I think when we talk about recruitment as well, It's very, very dependent on budget. Um, That isn't to say you can't recruit well on a limited budget because several clubs have been promoted on shoestring budgets. Um, But I think Mowbray will have to use the cash given to him, if there is any given to him, far better than he has done in the past two summer windows. And I think we could probably all agree on that. I think we would we need to make sure that if there is money available that it's spent wisely and it's spent on several players and it doesn't leave us weak and uncovered in certain sections of the squad like it has this season.
1: I agree. It's going to, I think it's going to be really tough. But Ollie where do you see us needing to strengthen what's the absolute priority for you? Um yeah, I, think, I
2: don't know what people think. I don't think goalkeeper and centre-back I think is an absolute must Um, we probably need two goalkeepers Um, we need we need a proper starting keeper that's ours and some decent competition Um, and we need a replacement for Tosin Um, it's not I can't see us being able to get him back again on loan, I mean there's maybe a a small chance that he's gonna have another season on loan, but whether it may be to a club with a in the Premier League, we're not sure. I'm sure we'll be first at the queue, but we can't rely on that. Um and I think we probably need we need cover as well. We need that third. I'm not a huge fan of Williams, either at certainly not a left back and not he's better at Left-sided centre half, but it, I don't think it's ideal. I think our, I don't think we need massive amount of players coming in. I just think we need to get the few bits we need. We need to get really correct. Because I, I do it. It's very much hindsight, but I think if you've got, if we'd had a good goalkeeper and you've got Lenohan, Evans and Travis and Dak playing thirty five plus games across a season, I'd like I I think any fan would like to think we'd probably have a few more points than we do now. Mm -hmm. Um and I do think that's a fair thing to say. When when Lenahan's been out of the side, it has a massive impact on you know goals we concede and I mean not so much after lockdown, we've not been brilliant, but um likewise when we've been missing Evans and likewise when we've been missing Dak. So some of it's about a, some sort of bit of better fortune with injuries, but we have to resolve goalkeeper. I think we need at least three quality starting centre backs, and really we've only got one. Um and left back, I'm happy with Amari Bell. Um I'm not sure where everyone is. I think I think he was showing he's quite a good player before lockdown, and I think Worst case scenario, you've got Rankin Costello is, is doing a fairly good job there, although it's not probably not his best position. And then there is the striker issue, but I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure it's necessarily a transfer issue. It's we just need to figure out what we're doing with what we've got, um, and I don't think we've got a five million or a seven million pounds to spend to try and find yet another twenty goal a season striker. We need, I'm not sure what, it's a very, that's a real conundrum because I think otherwise, I think in terms of attacking midfields and defence in midfield, I think we're okay. Um,
1: so we've only got strength from goalkeeper, central defence, left back and strikers and possibly uh, <laughs> wingers as well. I think, and then hopefully Lenehan doesn't leave or Nyambe yeah. or, or Armstrong and right okay so not too much work to do then for Marbury, <laughs> uh, in this 10 week window we should be all right um, we haven't got a budget either of course um, I, I was going to ask you guys a question about that on that but I, I suppose it's kind of pointless in a way we don't know Norbury doesn't even seem to know uh, nobody knows except for Venkis what you know what kind of budget we're going to be getting whether that's transfer fees how much wages and I think that maybe is having an impact on people that we might not be giving new deals to. So final question for you guys before we get some questions from, um, people that have written in. Um, we've got five players out of contracts, um, coming up. Jason Leutweiler, Richie Smallwood, Dominic Samuel, Danny Graham and Stuart Downing all have their deals expiring in the next week, really, because it's been extended to the end of the season. So quickly, I just want a yes, no. So one word answer from both of you on each of those players. So we've got Ollie and then Alex for each person. So Jason Lloyd Baylor. Ollie. No. Alex? No. Richie Smallwood?
3: No. And then no for me as well. Don Samuel? No. Alex? No. <laughs> Danny Graham? Yes. This is the most difficult one for me.
1: I'll let you have more than one word, then, on this one.
3: <laughs> no. Oh,
1: right, OK. And uh. um, for me, it's yes a no as well, just throw my own opinion in there. Uh, Stuart Downing. Yes. Yes. But interest, I would say yes as well, but interestingly, it it would appear that he isn't going to be given one. And certainly that's the rumours going around at the moment. Um I've done all of the, I did all of the analysis on our contract situation when I did um a, a stat show a few weeks ago with Gab Sutton um, at Football Lab. And he, and we talked about the contract situation there and Downing's obviously earning almost the most um, basic wage of anybody in the squad. Danny Graham, up there as well on 12,000 a week and then the other three are a bit obviously lower down but if he's not going to be getting a budget then maybe he feels like he needs to rid that get rid of that transfer that wage budget to be able to actually bring people in and we saw we were linked with a German striker yesterday to road um, but he's 32 so maybe not what I was expecting there but he does look a decent enough player anyway that's all for Moabre to sort out over the next 10 weeks and I'm definitely wishing luck with that. Let's have a listen to some of the questions that have been sent in. Um, one of our own here, Jonathan Secker, has, has asked us, um, much has been written about the change to a 4-3-3. The negatives have been highlighted more but what do you think have been the positives from change to this 4-3-3? Ollie, I'll start with you there. <laughs> positives?
2: <laughs> Where we've only won one game. Um... Uh possession yeah i think yeah we've i think if you look even against mill pretty much every game perhaps aside from Leeds and West Brom our possession stats have been really good but we've not necessarily been that effective sometimes with that possession i'd like there's been moments of some really nice fluidity in some of the attacking play sort of into the opposition half and the final third um like nice little moments of interchange and a few nice goals we've seen, but yeah, it's it's hard to judge because it's been a system without our best players. So I think it would, with everyone fit.
1: Okay, be- so moving on to that, Joe Harvey actually asks. You preempted Joe's question very well. I'll move this one over to Alex. Where does Dak fit into this four-three-three?
3: I think that's the biggest conundrum and the one which has made me doubt the change the most. Um, you would have to say that it would probably be in that false nine role that Holtby has been used in. Now that doesn't mean I'm a fan of the false nine, or that I think it's worked particularly well. But I think that if you if you had to fit him in in any position in that system, I think that's where you would put him. I don't I don't know what you guys think on that, but. I can't really only, see him going anywhere
1: else. It's the only place for him. I actually think that Mowbray's designed the system with that in mind already. That I think that's what he if if that, unless we're unless we're planning on letting him go in the summer when he's when he's back to fitness, which is another thing. But we don't have time to delve into that one. Um George also asks can John Buckley replicate Lewis Travis and be a first team regular by the middle of next season? And then also, is it is it even possible to find a Torsen replacement, given how unique his game and style is as a defender? Ali, you mentioned about Torsen already, so I'll give Alex a chance on the Torsen question. Do you think we can get someone who can play the way that he does?
3: I think it's always difficult to find a player that's exactly the same as somebody else. And I think we we talk about this when players leave. Will we ever find another one like them? And I think the answer is probably not, because I don't think any player is identical. But I think you can certainly try and find a player that um, fits a similar mould. So I think this summer, Mowbray will probably be looking for another centre half like Oli said that can play with the ball like Tosin can, um, and so I think that's probably going to be at the top of his priority list for summer window. Business really, but I think there's always a player out there that we can get. Um, it's just finding them, and I think that's where the clubs that are best at recruitment succeed. Is they find the players, and so and that's our job this summer.
1: Yeah, and uh, Torbe Rover says about that. Where do, you, where do you think we need to um, strengthen? And, and Ollie's already answered that one. What did you think on the John Buckley thing, Ollie? Just briefly, will he be able to get a place in the first eleven? I
2: think, he, given the position he's going to play, I think he falls behind Dak, Rothwell, and probably even Holtby. Um, but I, I really like him. I think the benchmark of Travis is a very high benchmark as an academy product. We, we don't see many that come through that strongly. But I think it's his physicality. I think he suits. I think he he, he suits certain opposition at the moment because he. We've seen him be targeted and bullied. I think Huddersfield was a really good example where he was given a start, and he was quickly isolated. As a he's he's got he's very talented, really good on the ball. But he, I think it's been Mowbray's even said it. He just needs to, yeah, develop a bit physically. Um, but I, there's a really good player there. Um, <laughs>
1: I certainly don't think that we should abandon him at all. I think he's someone that needs to be worked with and persevered. And, you know, he could develop physically over the summer. Get yeah. him in the weights room. Um, right. It, I think, I think there is a place for him in that three. If you're going to play three midfield, you've got a place for a Buckley there, I think. Um, just to finish off then, uh, Ben Lonsdale makes a point that there actually has been progress in his opinion. Um, last season we tried to, whenever we tried to do anything other than lump it up to Danny Gray and we looked awful. So, there's been a bit of, he thinks there's been a bit of progress in that kind of being able to play with the ball a little bit more. And, you know, I would probably agree with that. I did a little video last week, which said that we've had more passes and more accuracy. The problem is penetration at the moment, I think. So, um, um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast there. And if you've got any comment, especially on like Joe Rothwell or anything that we've picked up from the summer recruitment, who do you think we need? Do you have any names in mind? Um, do you think we're going to get a budget from Venkis? All these things, comment on the uh, comments that are open at the bottom of the page. If you listen to this on YouTube, then use the comments there. Um, But it's also available on iTunes and Spotify as well. So make sure that you, you subscribe to those channels, subscribe to at Rovers Chat on Twitter. We're also on Instagram and on Facebook as well. So find us on all these places. We're going to be right across the summer transfer business if there is any hopefully there is going to be lots the last thing that i want to say the very last thing we've got 45 minutes is happy birthday to rovers chat it's been three years guys the rovers chat's been going today amazing
2: That's impressive.
1: yeah i would do a happy birthday but my singing voice isn't the best and my wife is <laughs> like please don't sing in the house so thanks to everybody and uh we'll speak to you all again next week